Comadres y Comics is a podcast hosted by three Latina women. We highlight the Latinx presence in the comic book industry as creators, characters, and fans. Join us as we talk chisme, comics, fandom, and beer. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Comadres y Comics. This is episode 128. We're your hosts, I'm Sarah. I'm Kristen. And I'm Jen. Hi guys, how are you guys Hi. doing? Hello. I am. I want to know how have you guys been adjusting to your moves? I, for you guys who haven't been listening, Kristen moved to a new location in Santa Monica, moved the whole freaking shop, and <laughs> Jen moved to San Jose to, perf- to pursue her um, education. Yes. So t- let me know, guys. How was how was your move going, guys? Well, I have been here like about a month now and no you're lying it's been that long yeah it's almost about to be a month oh my god mm-hmm. <laughs> it helps that i went back to la uh after the, on my birthday weekend post birthday weekend i guess yeah. so you got to see me yeah but no yeah it's about to be a month and um i think i'm doing well uh, i had told uh we had told you guys earlier but i applied to be a funeral director assistant here at um uh, the oak hill cemetery and i really hope i get hired because i would love to get paid um, uh, but <laughs> two, um it's something that i find interesting too and it's something uh-huh. that i don't think i would mind doing because i think i respond better to people when i know where their anger or grief or um, um sadness is coming from and i mean when you're in a funeral home you know why somebody I thought you were gonna say i think i respond better to people when they're dead and can't talk back <laughs> <laughs> oh my god okay look i joke about like death death and dying a lot but when okay. i when i'm in the situations where it's serious i do tend to take it seriously but i <laughs> know that at some point i will probably say something inappropriate yeah <laughs> um um but no, so it's um uh, one they were hiring, so I was just so like cool, and I was just so like I was also thinking I was just so like how many people actually want to work at a funeral home? Yeah, I was wondering like if you have mm-hmm. a lot of competition. I think maybe there's yeah. probably a lot of people who would be very squeamish about it, mm-hmm. or very icky about it. And that's one of the questions that they asked me. I was just like how like like we're going to be working with the deceased and stuff like that, and we're probably gonna have to move caskets and stuff like that. And I was just so like look they're just like i didn't want to be disrespectful about it but i'm just like there were people once so i will treat them with respect but also they dead they can't do anything <laughs> to me they can't do anything to me so i'm not i'm not bothered by that yeah i'm, not bothered by saying, I'm just like what's he gonna do he's just laying there he's dead mm-hmm. so but i didn't say that yeah <laughs> well, but i am cool. also i'm unfazed by i guess the recently deceased yeah mm-hmm well, mm-hmm. I cross my fingers, and if they give me a call for a recommendation, I will tell them that you treated our customers um, like they were <laughs> dead all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Incredible. Yeah, because I was thinking about murdering them with my mind the entire time. <laughs> I love that. I'm glad, <laughs> I'm glad you're loving it up there for sure. Mm-hmm. It is very beautiful here. It's very different. I hope you are scoping out all the yummy places to eat and places to drink 
and you need to create um, your very own San Jose day drinking tour so that Sarah and I can come and visit. Oh, heck yeah, yeah. I already have an idea. I've already been out a couple of times with some friends here and they know the spots. So we nice. have been out day drinking. Yes. yes. <laughs> awesome. What about you, Kristen? How's the move going? How's the move? Uh, well, we have technically moved everything into a place. <laughs> Not all of it went to the store because the store we moved into was way smaller than the one we were coming from. Uh, so we had um, rented a storage space and a lot of it went there. A lot of it went to the store. Um, I joke how at least two or three times a day, I have an item in my hand and I literally make a 360 degree circle, like at least twice, just like scanning the area saying, where can I put this? <laughs> because <laughs> we moved from a place that had not only a storage room, a whole entire freaking room in the back, but also an upstairs loft where we stored stuff. Um, this place we moved into doesn't have storage at all. All we have is a bathroom and in the bathroom, we're already storing things so much so that when you sit on the toilet, your knees hit what the tables that are in there. <laughs> oh, that's horrible. Um, so um, it's definitely a downsized area, but it is very bright and vibrant. Um, the vibe is much more uh, quiet and like slower paced than what it is down by the promenade. Um I haven't had to kick out anybody within the last uh, couple of weeks that we've been there. Um, so that's nice. Um, the customers really enjoy that there's parking now. They don't have to uh, fight with downtown Santa Monica traffic. That was definitely uh, a deterrent to a lot of customers. And one of the customers that I hadn't actually seen in quite some time returned specifically saying, I can come back now because you have parking. So um, it's, it's still, we're still working on it. I'm still trying to find creative ways how to store things and uh, in a way that they're easily, easily accessible and, um, and not all like messed up and uh, hard to find. So we're getting there. Um, we literally moved within six days a whole entire oh comic gosh. book store wow. in six days it was a rough six days <laughs> let me tell you but i'm happy that we're done we are actually planning our grand reopening on september 18th um we are looking at getting creators there and a little secret you heard it here for first um, Mark Wade has agreed to come and uh, do some signings at our grand opening. <gasps> Ooh, that's super cool. Yeah. So there you have it. Uh, how not to move your comic book store <laughs> in six days. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> All right, guys. Now it's time for Chisme de la Semana. And what do you have for us today, Kristen? So my cheese is about the fact that it was just recently announced 
that um, we all knew that Riri Williams, who is the um, alter ego, I don't know how you say that, uh, mm-hmm. of Ironheart, or is Ironheart the alter ego of Riri? Anyway, <laughs> um, Riri Williams is the name of the character who has also the Ironheart mantle. And for those of you that don't know, Ironheart is a Marvel Comics um, character who built her very own Iron Man suit when um, Iron Man, spoiler alert, when he died. (laughs) uh, He's died a couple of times. That's fine. It could be any time. He died in the comics. um, And so she took over. Um, She built her own suit and she kind of got pulled into the job. But the cool thing about Ironheart when she was first... uh, introduced was that she was a teenager she was a young black teen who was in college and was smart af built her own uh iron man iron woman iron heart suit uh from scraps uh of computers and metal um that she just like procured from different places on her college campus um and um so that's particular uh was i gonna say tv show was announced a while ago that it was coming out and i was so excited because i love riri um but it was just announced that actually she uh was going to make riri williams was going to make her mc debut in the very next black panther wakanda forever movie so i honestly love this idea it is so iconic for this character this black character to make her debut in such a huge iconic movie franchise for the black community like we all know what a big deal black panther was for not just fans of the comic readers of the comic for the black community as a whole. It was just like a force of nature on its own. And the fact that Riri is such a amazing character in and of herself, who is a black young woman is going to make her debut in that movie is just awesome. I think it means a lot. It's going to mean a lot for her character. It's going to mean a lot for fans. And I honestly can't wait um, not only for this movie, but for her very own um, TV show on Disney plus. Yeah, I'm super excited. I think uh, the only one that I can think off the top of my head that got their TV show after appearing in a movie was Agent Carter. So um, I'm really excited about this. Um, I, I, you know what? I'm, I'm not even gonna try to speculate what, uh, what kind of Forever Black Panther is gonna be about. But I mean, just uh, giving us a snippet of introducing Lionheart through Wakanda Forever Black Panther uh, number two uh, in the movie is going to be super amazing. I, I can't wait. I ugh, As hard as it was to watch the What If episode with um, Chadwick Boseman, I, I'm very excited to watch uh, this movie. So this is definitely some amazing achievement. Thanks so much, Kristen.
All right, guys, now it's time for On My Radar. And On My Radar is Reservation Dogs. I know, it sounds like Reservoir Dogs, which we all know was a Quentin Tarantino movie. But this is Reservation Dogs, guys. And it is a series on Hulu that is happening right now. I'm so excited because it was a... Uh, it was. It's actually a series by Taika Waititi uh, that examines growing up indigenous, which I am all here for. I've seen the episodes. They are freaking hilarious and kooky, and I love it. Love the whole thing. I love. I love the characters. I love the storyline. I love all the other characters in the background. It's just so cool. So, Reservation Dogs follows the lives of four native teens living in Oklahoma after their best friend's death. Uh, the quartet is determined, is determined to leave their home and reestablish a group in California in order to secure the money for the trip. They've taken to pulling off petty crimes uh, in their neighborhood, starting with the hijacking of a chip truck. Oh my God. So when I, <laughs> when I first saw the first episode and I don't even know, I, I'm not sure why I clicked on watching this series. Maybe it was the name. I don't know. But watching the first episode, I was just like, oh, my God, this is fucking magic. It is an all indigenous cast and it's amazing. And um, yeah, these teens, um, the I think the reason it's called Reservation uh, Reservation Dogs is because when they're doing this memorial for their best friend who died, which we don't know how he died. I'm only assuming he killed himself. I don't know yet. Mm -hmm. But they're doing this uh, beautiful ceremony and they're all wearing suits and ties just like Reservation Dogs. And just like in the movie where they come out all walking in a line, coming out in their suits, you know. It just it, it was a real kind of throwback to reservation uh, reserva uh, reservoir dogs, but the whole thing is amazing. And actually, this latest episode, I did not know this, but there is a native um, native rapper who is obviously famous. He's a rapper and he's famous and he has fame and like all the wonderful bling bling uh, and tattoos. I didn't know. There was a native rapper, and now I know that. That's on my radar now. And also, he made an appearance on the show. So I'm just like, wow. And it also, it, what I also learned was that um, they are actually filming this on an actual, like, Oklahoma, like, real reservation town. Oh, wow. So, like, you get all that kind of, like, realism in it. But at the same time, there's a lot of, like, dark comedy in it as well. And it's just a really great show. Um, I was particularly stricken by um, when there was one of the characters who got sick, that's a stomach pain or whatever. And then one of the other characters got beat up by a bunch of other, by another arriving gang. And so they go to this clinic that is like a reservation clinic. And it's just like um, people are trying to do a good job, but it's like, you know, for low, I mean, it's just like the morale in the whole clinic is just really, really down, sort of like retail. But um, it's just, <laughs> it's, just a, it's just a great show, guys. Um, I got I got swept up in the very first episode, but I really recommend it. Some people are saying that they got swept up in the second episode, but for me, I at the first episode I was in, and so like I really want to highlight that because um, 
there is an actual space in an actual place where we're now getting a good content, good media content from indigenous people. And I am so about that. And I'm so happy that they made this. And I'm just, I can't wait to see more. So that's what's on my radar. I've definitely heard a lot of good stuff about it. So I'm going to have to check it out. Yeah, definitely. All right, guys. What time is it, Kristen? <gasps> Already? Yes. Incredible. Es la hora de la cervecita. My and favorite time. We have a beer from Nick Keller Brewing in San Diego. And this is, oh, no. <laughs> this is a passion pool. It is a ghost style ale with passion fruit and sea salt. Um, it, it, yeah, when, yeah. when you hear ghost, definitely generally means sour. So I am going to cross my fingers that it is a yummy sour because we have had those. Um, but this is called Maybe. Passion Pool, um, obviously, because it's passion fruit uh, and sea salt. And it is a 5% ABV. So um, the, the can art is really cool. And it's what actually drew me to it. When I saw the kind of beer that it was, I was like, uh, but OK, we do too many IPAs. We need to get out of that. So I bought it anyway. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Agreed. Um yeah, so uh, I'm still, you know, like totally quarantining for COVID. So when I saw a passion pool and all these people inside a pool, <laughs> I'm just like, oh, I, I feel a little triggered. Like, no, not, <laughs> not for me. But but it, it's really cool. I like this art. It's, it's pretty awesome. very passion fruity smelling. Yes. Very passion fruity smelling. I'm very excited about the sea salt portion of this i'm not i hope it doesn't overtake it i'm not really a salt i don't salt my food i only put salt on cucumbers and avocados (gasps) yes oh my god now i want some cucumbers (laughs) 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 anyway so yes uh, i'm very excited this is um some interesting can art and the smell is amazing and it is from san diego it's very i don't even know if i've ever had a passion fruit but this definitely smells like what I'm assuming passion fruit smells like. <laughs> well, I just tasted it and it's pretty amazing. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm loving it. I'm loving it. But you know what? I noticed that when I have too many, too much sour, it makes my stomach hurt a little bit. Yeah. I can oh. see that because of the high citrus factor. Yeah. Oh my God. Okay. So this beer is too salty for me really that's all i freaking taste it's like someone took a whole salt shaker from the table at a restaurant and stuck it into my beer can i you know i don't i don't taste that at all perhaps because i got drunk last night but i don't know why that would matter (laughs) But um, no, I'm actually enjoying this. It's a little bit too sour for my taste because I feel like it's. Oh, gonna... my gosh. I don't even taste sour at all. I can't get past salt. Really? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. How strange. But, you know, I have been eating butter with bread right now. So maybe that's messed up my salt uh, taste. 
but I really feel the passion fruit and I and the sour, the sour. Not too much the salt though. Oh no, I can taste the salt. The salt is like so salty. It's how it's how the first couple of sips of a margarita that is salt rim mm -hmm. tastes to me because you get that big mouthful of salt where you can okay. kind of taste that alcohol and fruitiness behind it. But that salt is like the forefront of what you get in your mouth. That's what uh. this whole thing tastes like to me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You know what? I wasn't sure what to think about it. But then you said margarita. And I took another <laughs> sip and I was like, oh yeah, this tastes like a margarita. It does. It tastes like so, a very salty margarita. Yeah, it does. So I think I can drink this. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I only get the salt in the undertone aftertaste. Really? Yeah. But then again, like I said, I was eating um, mm -hmm. butter with breads and the butter had salt in it. So maybe that's why. And I and like I said, I drank last night, so maybe that kind of numbed a little bit of my um, my taste buds. But I don't dislike it. Um, I, I'm not really about the stars because, like I said, it's it it hurts my stomach after a uh -huh. while. So with 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 sours, I generally can only drink one per session. Mm. So or even just a taster. Yeah, it'll just mess me up so um are we ready to actually rate it yes so yeah. i think that a little refresher of our rating scale is in order um and just as a reminder we use a five point rating scale where one is flaccid two is initial three is partial a four out of four or five, sorry, four out of five is full and a five out of five is rigid. And if it doesn't fit on our scale, it is a super Saiyan six out of five. So um, I just don't even know what I'm <laughs> going to, uh, because honestly, Jen, after you said that I said margarita and it, it kind of changed it, I took more drinks. And also I was like, yeah, this is kind of like, I am drinking a little bit of a watery end of the glass margarita where all the salt rim somehow got inside the glass and melted uh, and dissolved into what was left over of the margarita. Cause mm -hmm. the passion fruit is very, very, um, it's like, okay. The way I taste it is like, I get like salt and then I get the passion fruit and then the end note is salt again. So like, yes. you're right. It is like <laughs> a very salty, watery margarita. Uh-huh. But the passion fruit taste that I do get is pretty tasty. It is. It's actually very uh not overpowering, but it's it's very noticeable. Like you it's you can't miss it. It's there and the the floral the uh notes, the what do you call it? The not floral notes. Whatever, the the scent of it yeah. <laughs> um is very fruity passion fruit. So, um I definitely I definitely can't knock it for not tasting like passion fruit. Um, but it says right there on the label, passion fruit and sea salt. And they do a good job with the sea salt too. So are you going to start rating it, Sarah? Yeah, I am going to go partial. Like Frank would say, no me disgusto. 
but um, it would definitely be something that I would drink in like a taster, like a beer share, but nothing that I could drink past one can. Yeah. And mm -hmm. uh, just personally, um, this type of sour will really wreak havoc on my stomach after mm -hmm. two cans. So just for that, I'll give it a partial. Okay. So this is Kristen and I'm going to give, so partial is three out of five. I'm going to give mine a two out of five initial. I was going to, my first drink, a hundred percent. I was like flaccid, flaccid. That's it. <laughs> like uh, I'm giving it a flaccid, but then as I could, I continued to drink it, it kind of settled on my tongue. And then I got the idea of margarita in my head. Um, I actually could put this whole thing in with some ice and blend it and I probably would enjoy it more. <laughs> Got it. Ooh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You, oh, you, you can make like one of those shandies, but with this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so, that would be cool. Um, but the salt is just too much. Like if it was a not even a little bit, like half of the salt that I'm tasting, I think I would have enjoyed it more because the I can't even taste the sour. The salt is so overpowering. So mm -hmm. I'm going to give it an initial, a two out of five. Okay. Um, I'm going to give it a partial as well. I think with like, I think with like some ice and like you like mix it in and kind of make like a froze kind of thing. Mm -hmm. It wouldn't be that bad. Maybe like something to counteract all that salt. Like, I don't know, like maybe some syrups or something. I think yeah. it wouldn't be that bad. But the salt is pretty overpowering. But the salt does help with the sour taste as well. The brewers are like listening to the to this conversation. It's like, oh, my God, these women are talking about putting something sweet into a salty. I mean, a, yeah, a salty and sour mm -hmm. <laughs> beer. The same way my mom puts sugar into her Merlot. Oh, <laughs> my God. Incredible. Oh wow, that's crazy. But yeah, I mean, like I said, like it just it needs something to help with that fucking salt. Yeah. It's just a little bit too much. Mm -hmm. So I'm gonna give it a partial because I think I can finish it, but I don't think I would ever like go back for more. No. Right. Agreed, agreed. All right, guys, now it's time for our book review. What are we reviewing today? So today we are reviewing a book called Stone Fruit, and it is written by Lee Lay, and this is their debut graphic novel. That's pretty cool. Uh, Lee is actually a trans um, cartoonist who is from Australia, but moved to Montreal, Quebec. Because she started getting into comics and she discovered Drawn and Quarterly and really enjoyed all their comics. And apparently Drawn and Quarterly has a shop in Montreal. And she mm. literally just on a whim was like, I want to go there and go to that shop and then ended up moving there. So <laughs> wow, that's awesome. Yeah. So um, she is um, a cartoonist and this is her debut book and the book itself um is a big hardcover like i was really uh, impressed with the girth and size of it that's, that's what, what she, she said, said. <laughs> <laughs> um and uh this particular book got so many glowing reviews 
uh, before it even came out. And it was named one of the most anticipated LGBTQ books of 2021 by Oprah magazine. That's like, wow, a that's huge deal. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, my God, we're reading Oprah books. <laughs> yes, we are. And this is published by Phantom Graphics, which is also another like huge kind of yes. like um, uh, indie and international Mm-hmm. Uh, publisher because Drawing Quarterly is well known um, uh, in the indie circuit as well for translating a lot of foreign works and for hiring a lot of foreign artists as well. Uh, but Phantom Graphics is uh, not that far behind, along with um, um what's that title? Humanoids? Yeah, oh humanoids. yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Uh, or I, I don't know if Humanoids is the is the publishing company or like the yeah okay okay humanoids so those are some of just like the big kind of and they usually end up like winning like some pretty good awards and stuff like that uh and getting a lot of notoriety because they they are definitely not afraid to go out there with um uh, that's kind of what they're known for is just like Mm -hmm. getting like weird really nitty-gritty stuff and or like very human uh stuff as well So a quick little synopsis about Stone Fruit uh, says that it's an exhilarating and tender debut graphic novel that is an ode to the love and connection shared among three women and the child they all adore. So that is a very, very, very basic pared down description because this book freaking took me on an emotional roller coaster like all over the freaking place. I went upside down. I did corkscrews. I was just like, oh my God, like the development of the story and the characters and just how they all intertwined and then all of their family members. And it was just so like, originally, I'm not going to lie. I was not very drawn to the book. I picked it up because I had two copies We needed books that we had multiple copies of now that Jen has moved. And Mm -hmm. the art itself just did not catch me at all. I was very um, not turned off by it, but just very like non, yeah, uninterested. Um, But once I got a quarter away, a quarter of the way through the book, I was so like just grabbed by the story the art itself started making so much more sense and was very like poignant and and, like the way that she drew the the characters just made so much sense with what they were going through it was just very 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 good and um i did not expect the emotional connection that i had with the characters or even just the empathy that I developed for them uh, by the end of the story. Like there was a scene in the story where like I, it, the way it was drawn, the way it was written, it, the way all of it came together, it fucking tore my heart out. And I was crying as I was reading this book. And, and I was like, the ability for a comic creator to convey so much emotion and passion and just all of these human feelings on a fucking flat page of paper is just like incredible to me. Like I, they deserve all of the awards. Uh, and I hope that they, that they get them because it was just great. 
Yes, um, this is Sarah, and I'd like to point out that uh, one of the characters' his name is Bron, and uh, he, uh, they are trans. Rachel is the girlfriend and the sister of Amanda, who is the mother of Nessie, which is the child they all love. Mm-hmm. Rachel and Bron are in a relationship, and Amanda is a single mother. Um, this is Sarah, and oh my god, <laughs> um, oh, Kristen was saying she was taking on an emotional roller coaster. I, as well, was taking an emotional roller coaster. I completely agree with her when she said, uh, that the art at the beginning. When I first started reading the first two pages, I was like, what the fuck am I reading? <laughs> Why am I reading this? Why did Kristen make us read this? <clears throat> but as I continued to read it, the art make, made complete sense to me. Even down to the way that the uh, characters like Bron are drawn, waking up, um, sitting by the side of the bed. I, that's, I think that's how I look when I wake up sitting on the side of the bed, you know, like it just, it really hit home, but mostly, mostly I, so Amanda, the mother of Nessie has feelings of a a bit of jealousy because every time Nessie goes and stays with Bron and Rachel, she comes back super hyperactive She's really excited. All she does is talk about her aunts because she calls them both aunts. And um, Auntie Braun, Auntie uh, Rachel. And her mom, I, I could feel it. I can sense it while I'm reading her dialogue. I can sense her, her, um, her jealousy because this is her child. She carried this child for nine months. But they are the fun parent. Mm-hmm. She's the disciplinary one. And I and most of the angry comments towards Braun and Rachel's way of living comes from that um, the jealousy because she's not the fun parent. <clears throat> but there are so many things I want to talk about in this uh, about this book, but mostly um, I saw a lot of uh, of how Jacob, Jacob's my nephew and my brother is his father and how um, sometimes we have to fight for him to, to, to be with us because his mom is like, I want him. He's my child. I'm keeping him. Like we have to fight for some holidays. We have to fight for, you know, extra, an extra day or extra hour or whatever. And you see this, this struggle with Amanda. And I'm just like, at the beginning, I'm just like, I fucking hate Amanda. She reminds me of... <laughs> yeah, me too. You know, it's like, fuck her. Sh- fuck. Fuck her. Anyway, so... um, <laughs> But as I read on, I kind of understood where she was coming from, and it made me empathize with her situation as well. Um, and then Bron... Bron is a fucking gifted person, but she has so much so much depression from like mm-hmm. being brought up in a Christian, a heavily religious Christian family where her parents basically her parents and her whole community told her there's something wrong with you. Mm-hmm. You're, you're not happy because there's something wrong with you. 
you're different. You're, you're not just, you can't, you have to ask God for forgiveness. Like you'll feel better if you ask God for forgiveness. And, you know, growing up with somebody tell you you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, how you feel, you're wrong, how you think you're wrong. That must be something really horrifying to grow up in. And for her to like actually leave it was also kind of hard because like, she grew up with these this family which and her religion and to walk away like with cold turkey from it and go and move in with Rachel and to, to completely detach her them for years must have been super hard for her and that is what ate away at her mm-hmm. throughout the years with living with Rachel and Rachel just wanted to save her just like she did when she picked her up at her house and took her away from there Rachel wanted to be the one who saved her. But at one point, Rachel was like, I'm just waiting and waiting for you to start taking care of me for a change. And that was, oh, my God, that was heartbreaking to read. Just it was just so heartbreaking. Um, There is another part of the story where Nessie actually, I mean, Oh my God, the the whole different platforms in the story. But Nessie, the child, uh, when she sees her mom, like ask about how it went with uh, Bron and how it went with Rachel, and trying to find out more information on how they um, th- their day went or whatever. Um, Nessie has to comfort her mother and say, "You know what, Mom? You're fun too. We're okay. It's okay. Don't feel sad." Like. There is a part of our society that doesn't take the perspective of the the children in our society and that surround us and and give them enough credit to know that they are aware of how we're feeling. Mm -hmm. And um, the same thing goes when when Bron leaves Rachel and Nessie has to comfort Rachel and say, you're also fun, Auntie Rachel. It's okay. Like, I miss Auntie Bron, but you're you're cool too. You know, like the child comforts the adult. And that's something that really hit close to home because there was one time that I was talking to my nephew and I can't really recall what we were talking about, you know, and then he gives me this look. This look like no one has ever looked at me before. Like, nobody has ever given me that look before. It was, like, full of compassion and understanding. Like, he could see right through me. Like, I was standing there naked, and he saw he saw me. And all I could think about was, like, God damn it, Jacob. I wish you were, like, a regular 15-year-old and just kick me out of your room and say, get the hell out of here. <laughs> <laughs> like, that would have been so much easier to... <clears throat> to swallow then him sing right into me right into my soul and fuck that that is so hard to wrap my head around even now like we don't listen to our the children in our lives we don't really know that they know what we're going through and know what we're feeling and have been there since the beginning, you know, since they're children. So they, they see us from a different perspective from when they're a child, from when they're, you know, a toddler from, and then from when they're teenagers, you know, like they really, 
are someone to actually sit down and listen to them. Like they have a totally different perspective on what they're seeing you go through. And that was fucking so present in this story. I I love this story. I love it so much. I think that the things that you're talking about with the Nessie character and relating them to Jacob also is very present and prescient and relevant to both Rachel and Braun because throughout this entire story, they themselves are going on their own individual journeys, all dealing with stuff that happened to them when they were kids. Um, and so I think that it's an, uh, an overarching theme of the entire story. And I think every single one of us sitting here on this podcast can relate to the fact that things that happen to us in our childhood affect us throughout our lives. And it's things that we are still to this day dealing with and um, come up to, <laughs> to remind us that they're there every once in a while. And I think that um, the way that there's no other way to describe it other than this book is highly um, addressing mental health issues oh, absolutely. Um, oh, with, where it comes from Amanda dealing with her breakup and her depression that she fell into when she had, when she was suddenly faced with being uh, becoming a single parent overnight um, with Rachel who um, kind of, pushes her sister away and their relationship just is, is almost non-existent. Um, and they realize that they both have the uncanny similarity of not communicating, not only to each other, but in their relationships. And that that is something that they bond over because they realize they both got it from their mother. Oh um, gosh. Yes. And, uh, yes. Uh, and then Braun who literally had to escape a situation when she was um, faced with being put through conversion therapy uh, and had to leave her younger sister who was only like five at the time right. um, and having to deal with what that meant to her sister and everything that she, that Braun her, uh, herself had to deal with when she was living there as a child, because she was different from the beginning. Um, it was just like, like uh, Sarah said, there's just so many different levels to this book um and the fact that this is a debut uh for lee and that is just so intricate and so many layers to peel back i mean i think that if i read it again um i would be able to even pick out more things that i missed um and the art is just I really was bothered by the way she drew their faces when they oh, were yeah. out playing. Yeah. But mm -hmm. as I continued reading, because she would draw Nessie and Braun's face as like monsters. Right. Yeah. Um, but there was a, t a point in the book where Braun is actually describing Nessie and she says, she's so weird and emotional and very full of love and spirit. And that description went so perfectly with the art of drawing her like a monster face like just mm -hmm. like because yeah. the, the monster face it wasn't a scary monster it was a being that just had no abandon and just was like enjoying life for every reason you could enjoy life and yeah. honestly that's what kids 
do until we fuck them up. (laughs) (laughs) No kidding. Please don't remind me. (laughs) I mean, I mean, I mean, and like you were saying, like we, we have been saying there's so many levels, but one of the things I like to point out is when she finally, when Amanda and Rachel finally sit down and talk, Rachel's like, you know, I just came to see you. Like it has been years since we actually just sat down you and I without mm-hmm. Nessie, like without, you know, having the bridge of, of the child between them, like actually them two as sisters to sit down and talk. And in and it, it it I wouldn't say it took a while, but it took a lot of conversations for them to get to a good place. Yeah. And then for Braun to go back to her family and and try to be, revisit that and find out where or what happened to her. Yeah, and then she needed answers. She I needed, think that yeah. a lot of people hearing us talk about it would be like she went back to her family who tried to put her in conversion therapy. Yeah. And I think that it makes perfect sense because she didn't know why she was feeling the way she was. Or she just wanted to not feel that way anymore. And to not feel that anyway, I think she needed to understand. Um, And so going back, honestly, made a lot of sense. Like trying and she and she tried to speak to her mom. She tried to speak to her dad, ask questions, but they just weren't ready. But they were trying. I feel like in their own limited way, they were trying. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's one of the things that I was just like, so like taken aback from because, because her mom was like, why do you, why do you, why are you asking these questions? Like it's the past, like, like, and she was so, so, so dry about it. She Um, was, but I feel like because they were so much older that they, it's sort of like when you're that old, like when you're this old, when I'm, you know, I'm 45, like sometimes you have to go back and try to learn new things that are emerging now, new conversations that are happening, Mm -hmm. you know? And she said, you know, I was told by the therapist that, you know, maybe mental health has been an issue in our family. Like, and her mom's like, no, nobody's been, nobody's been ill. Nobody, you know, and she's like, Oh, so I'm the only freak that's, fucking crazy you know like and it because it it takes i mean it kind of sparked a defensive mechanism in her too like and it's hard and even the conversation she had with her with their 16 year old sister she's like you know they're trying they really miss you they were really excited you were coming back like they're just more laid back with me because i'm younger it's probably because i'm the youngest Mm -hmm. um but, you know, like, they're more laid back, you you know, and all of that, you can see in your life, like, honestly, like the conversations I've had with some of my aunts, I mean, I can't say I have the conversation with my mom, because she's gone, but the conversations I've had with my family, like, I know that some of them were brought up a certain way that they can't wrap their head around the new conversations, and that are happening now, mm-hmm. you know, so... I mean, I can totally relate to almost every character in this book. And it's just like she reached into my heart and squeezed it. Like it's, <laughs> uh, it's just I can't I cannot express how important this book is for you for someone out there to read. Period. Yeah. And it's just it just goes to show that queer books aren't just 
or queer people I mean they're nice I like mm. it I like the <laughs> fact that I can like be like hell yeah another queer book for queer me um uh, but a lot of these subjects and stuff like that it's about being human it's about mm-hmm. uh like what it is like uh between family and like uh and like between women as well uh like well, trans women and um uh cis women as well and I when I had been when I'd been reading it I like I was pretty much I'm not faced by I wasn't faced by the artwork I kind of expected it because that's what Phantom Graphics and Mm. Drawn and Quarterly are known for is just very weird and very different art styles very non-conventional art styles as well because you can't exactly say this is like a webcomic because it's not it's a Mm -hmm. mix of this kind of new kind of very exaggerated features but the paneling is almost very old school comic strip um uh, like newspaper comic strip style as well um um the monster face thing i remember like thinking about it and but then like you only saw it when it was just like the three of them mm-hmm. yes uh, and so what i thought of it was just like kind of a like love makes monsters of us all whether that's good or bad that <laughs> depends i mean usually that term is kind of used in a negative tone but it doesn't have to be yeah because like isn't that what like love does for people like you could do like you would like you just feel like this sense of like something without control and stuff like that that's usually what people assign like a monster role to but in this time it's more in a very positive light Mm -hmm. and especially when it concerns tenesi and stuff like that uh but i love the fact that you guys love this and that there's such heavy topics in this as well but that you found it relatable despite it being between like you know queer women i'm very happy (laughs) (laughs) i I think the relationship stuff was just very relatable i mean the thing that just tore my heart out was when braun was trying to tell rachel i can't do this anymore like you know there's it's not right i know it's not right it hasn't been right for a while i love you but i just can't be here anymore and rachel couldn't understand that it wasn't about her that it wasn't about braun leaving her it was about braun needing to find answers and needing to find herself but that scene or the 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 couple of pages of Rachel realizing that Braun wants to leave and she's just like at a loss so much so that she runs out into the street in her underwear like begging her not to go like right. that scene those those pages just fucking tore my heart out um cuz I know what that feels like when you're being left and you're just like what happened what yeah what happened and being the person who is like what did I do like it's taken me many years to realize it's not about you for the most part um but Rachel for sure in in this book and in this had to learn that that it's not always about her um and I think that that the journey that she goes on once Bron leaves her is very important as well. And that she, one that she also needed to go through. Oh yeah. 100%. Like um, she was telling her sister, Amanda, like, you know, I just, what do I do? Where do I go after I put all myself into this one person? Mm -hmm. And she said, maybe you weren't supposed to put all yourself into one person. 
And then um, Rachel turns to Amanda. She's like, well, you did with David, which is her ex, baby daddy. And she's like, exactly. Yeah. Like, we weren't supposed to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it took Rachel, because even when she was leaving in the taxi, she was like, can I call you? Can can you email me? See how things are going? Can you text me? And Braun was just ready. To, I mean, because trying to, like, nurture Rachel while she's trying to find herself with her yeah. parents, who she's been estranged from for, like, 10 years, mm-hmm. like, that's an extra added stress on her when she's yeah. trying to better herself and she's trying to be mentally healthy and, and not depressed and stuff. So... And then you see Rachel just like leaving voicemails and then was like, she caught herself and she's like, maybe I'm being overbearing. I got to stop. And, you know, like that whole transition, like I saw myself so many times in that situation, not voicemail or text or stuff because we didn't have cell phones. Like that. <laughs> but like, you know, yeah. she, 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 she said while she was gardening, I have to, physically restrain myself from texting her mm-hmm. i have to restrain myself she's it takes all my strength to do it throughout the whole day and try not to text her yeah. and that i felt that before like yeah. when you're like don't text him don't text him don't call him don't call him don't leave a voicemail don't email you know like whatever but man this is such a powerful powerful book like to me this is a powerful book i loved every second of it um the thing i love the most is when i i start to read a book and i don't like the art and i'm just like ugh, what the fuck am i reading and then i read two two more pages in and i'm just like oh my god now i can't stop (laughs) like that is fucking amazing to me like when and then for this to be the debut album i mean the debut album (laughs) the the debut graphic novel oh my god like i just want to know what else does she have because this is fucking magic well she has another one coming it's called canon uh the article that i was looking at didn't specifically say when it was coming out but the fact that there is something else coming out is um pretty cool um so that we know that we will definitely see more stuff from uh from lee Lai soon um it just says um the book itself is about trying to work out ideas about anger and the lethargy and tension of long-term friendships. Um, so that sounds interesting. And I know some, a little something about that as well. So, um, (laughs) she says a lot of comics are autobiographical, uh, for her. So, um, she definitely thinks that fiction really helps her work through things and write in a way that feels honest and emotional. Well, well you got that down pat, honey. Yeah. I'm like <laughs> the layers of characters and thought processes and conversations is, Oh my God. It's just on another level. Like I think somebody should take this book and make it into like a, a mini series. Like I, I feel like it's, Oh my God. Like I feel it should like, 
reach as many people as possible. Like, I feel like this should be translated into many languages. <laughs> anyway, maybe it I'm, has. I have said so much about this and I can keep going. I wrote notes or whatever. I've, you know, put post-its on other stuff, but I mean, I really urge you guys to go out and find this book. Uh, but I think we're ready to actually rate the book. Yes. Mm -hmm. So this is Kristen. Uh, you can still order the book. It just came out May of this year. So May, 2021, it is still available from Fantagraphics. You can go to their website. You can go to your local comic store and order it through their distributor. Um, but it's definitely still available to you and whatever online, uh, way that you get your comics but um i think that you all know based just on my reaction and what i've said so far that this book gets the whole panaderia for for from me it is just um amazing i loved it so much it it pulled out a visceral emotional reaction to me from from me and to me that is the makings of an amazing uh, story. So the whole panaderia for uh, Stone Fruit. Yes, um, I'm. Uh, this is Sarah, and also the whole panaderia and a fucking cup of um, Mexican Mexican coffee with the shot of tequila in it. Because <laughs> oh my god, the emotional roller coaster this takes you on is just so incredible like i am a big fan now and now i want to know everything she does because this was such an amazing book and such an amazing layered character development book i i just can't i i mean i'm just a huge fan like oh my god amazing what do you think jen um so i really enjoyed it as well and I I did relate to a lot of the like growing up and like being affected by family uh, stuff and then coming to terms with that kind of thing. And it um, um I had a fight with my brother and I hadn't been speaking to him for uh, I think it was a full year. But uh, recently I uh, well I unblocked his number and tried talking back to him. And so while I was reading the book I was just like oh damn I feel seen right now <laughs> and so I it's it's a very emotional book it's a, a very um, um a very poignant book as well so I'm gonna give it the full panaderia as well all right guys that has been our book review all right guys it's now time for en la libreria Jen what do you have for us today so today, what I have for us is Little Wolf, Child of the Forest, number one. It is about a band of seasoned warriors stumble upon a young boy alone in the woods and dark tidings await them all. So um, um, Little Wolf uh, was actually a 10-minute animated uh, like short film that won a lot of praise. Um, um, and it's available to view on YouTube. Uh, but uh, the creator, Jesse Cohen, he's an independent animator, uh, graphic novelist, filmmaker, and member of the Chicksaw Nation. And um, um, he is doing this Kickstarter to fund uh, this 
three-part adventure. And this is this one would be the first book of that um, uh, that's 28 pages long, full color, and chock full of action and mystery. So Little Wolf is, um, um, let me read the little synopsis that they have right here. Uh, it's a boy in the woods hunted by monsters. This is a story of a young boy forced to survive in a harsh and unforgiving world. Surrounded by danger and death, Little Wolf must learn to hunt, fight, and persevere against the supernatural creatures of the wild. On his journey, he will encounter many terrifying foes and many good friends. None, however, are as mighty as his mentor and clan totem, the fierce and indomitable Silverthorn. The great gray wolf promises to guide and protect little wolf until the day comes when he can stand on his own. So it's, it looks beautiful. The artwork looks amazing. The, the, the film itself was like, it's really, really well done. Like he has quite a number of accolades uh, for this short film. And the base pledge starts at a dollar and you just get like a wallpaper for it. And this is just kind of to support it. And then it jumps up to $15, uh, which is the early bird special. And you get the comic book signed and then it jumps up to $20, which is uh, the same thing. But if you don't get one of those early bird um, um, specials in, uh, you're just paying $20 for the same early bird price. Uh, after that, it jumps up to $50 where you get a variant cover of Little Wolf uh, that is signed and limited to, to just 50 I don't think they have it up yet. Uh, and then it jumps up to $150, which is you get your name in the, in the credits page, you get the signed comic book, you get the variant, you get a shirt, you get a poster, you get six, uh, you get stickers, and you get digital wallpapers as well. And it, it, it has already met its goal, which was an initial $500 goals, $500, and it's at $3,017 with 70 backers. And by the time this comes out, it'll have like about 14 days to go still. So go ahead and back it and it's really interesting it looks really well made uh and it's little wolf child of the forest number one on kickstarter wow i can't believe they've already reached i know went way over their goal that's amazing all right guys now it's time for juntos y fuertes Kristen, take it away Okay, so today on Juntos y Fuertes, I um, am going to talk about um, a group of people who are always marginalized, and that is teens and preteens. And um, in the um, same vein uh, as Stone Fruit dealing with mental health, I wanted to share something um, around mental health for Juntos y Fuertes. And I found this comic that is called Let's Talk About It, A Graphic Guide to Mental Health. You can go to cartoonstudies.org and you can find a download of this book. It was created for middle and high school students. And it's a lively and educational 24-page comic book that destigmatizes the conversation around mental health. Created by mental health experts, educators, and cartoonists, this comic provides knowledge and resources for students to help them be healthier 
and more resilient. And I don't know how much teenage years have changed since I was a teenager, but I definitely know no one talked to me about mental health. Um, and I was definitely going through it when I was um, a teenager. And I think as most teenagers dealing with hormones and relationships and stresses of uh, coming at you from all different ways, depression um, is often something that um, uh, affects teens. And so I definitely advocate for open conversations and something like this would definitely be able to start that conversation. And even if a teenager is handed it to them and they shove it in their backpack and then maybe come across it later and read it. And just to be able to have something to tell them, look, it's not just you, you're, you're freaking normal. This happens to everybody. And if you need help, it's okay to ask for it. Oh my God. Absolutely. Oh, just reading. Okay. So I sent my mom a, a letter when I was a teenager and I don't have the heart to read it again. Cause I kind of remember what I wrote in it and it's so embarrassing now, but <laughs> I was really going through it then, you know, and I had nobody to turn to, including my parents. Yeah. And, um, just given from the diary entries <laughs> that I've read, it's, it's tough. It's tough. Yeah. Like uh, a lot of people, like we said before in the book review, like we don't listen to the kids mm -hmm. um, and <laughs> especially teenagers. We just kind of write them off as like, Oh, you're just a teenager. Wait yeah. till you grow up. Wait and till honestly, you grow up. They get, they get a double standard because on the one hand they're being told you're not old enough to understand. But in the second hand, they're being told you're you freaking be old, old enough, enough to, to, act differently yes and, and so it's it is it's a tough time in life ah. <laughs> it's been it's been quite a while since i was a teenager but still the memories live fresh oh god it's like fresh wounds like we're picking at our scabs right yeah oh yeah all right guys now it's time for saludos and saludos goes out today to tales from the comic shop I think Kristen should make a, a, a cameo appearance on this podcast. It is a podcast you can listen to. Oh, you. Oh, my God. So she, I haven't listened to that episode. <laughs> <laughs> so I have started from, of course, the latest episode. So I'm going back in time. So I haven't gotten to the uh, episode where Kristen is. Of, and so that's why I am red in the face with embarrassment now that I didn't <laughs> know that she was on the podcast before. But. Tales from the Comic Shop is a podcast dedicated to bringing you the latest news and information of what really is going on in the comics industry. And like I said before, I've listened, I've listened to the most recent episode and I'm going backwards. So, but I've learned so much, guys. Like if you, you know, you're a comic book fan and you go to your local comic book shop and like, it's amazing. You get your comics, you have your pull list, you know, you talk to the comic uh, employees there for a little bit, uh, but you don't really know what goes on behind the scenes and what they go through as a comic book uh, <laughs> shop that's there for your pleasure. And listening to this podcast, I learned so much. And like I said, I'm going backwards. So I've learned some of it and I'm 
continuing to learn more like creators, um, signings, uh, dealing with Diamond Comics, distribution, pricing your comics, people that come and try to buy your comics on the day before they're supposed to be released to put them on eBay. <laughs> I mean, it is just such an amazing, informative podcast. So check them out. I particularly listen to them on Spotify, but you can check them out on Apple Podcasts. Um, be sure to uh, rate and review the podcast. But uh, that's who we are saludando today is um, Tales from the Comic Book Shop. All right, guys, that brings us to the end of this episode. Where can they find us? You can find us at commodicycomics.com where you can find all of the links to our social media platforms instagram twitter facebook you can also contact us directly you can always email us at commodicycomics at gmail.com and please be um sure to send us direct messages if you'd like on our social media platforms as well so you can find out all kinds of information on our website as well as listening to our episodes awesome also if um you're following on apple Podcasts and you find that an episode is missing just go to podomatic.com and you can find the rest of our episodes there uh we were changing um streaming platforms so there was a little bit of a hiccup there but be sure to check us out there do like and subscribe all our information do also check out our YouTube channel, Commodity Comics Podcast on YouTube. Thank you so much for listening. We have been your hosts. I'm Sarah. I'm Kristen. And I'm Jen. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.